it is great to be here. Another Sunday. It's October. I don't know. Do you like October? Are you any fall people here? Yes. Yes. Veronica, I know you like October. Pumpkin spice and everything nice. Um, right, Jamin, I see you in the back with pumpkin spice. Um, anyway, it's a beautiful month, too, because like there's three sports converging in one. So as we have the Giants. Giants fans, how y'all feeling? How y'all feeling? Don't, no need to be defensive. I promenade, fan, but I promise I, under, I want you guys to, you know, I want you guys to go as far as you can go. So um, we'll keep you guys in prayer. I saw Nelson with the Dodgers hat around here. So I know that wasn't, that wasn't received very well in the name of Jesus. But uh, 49ers, uh, Oakland Raiders, we got basketball. The Warriors are coming up. It's just a great time. Yes, it is just a great time of year. Amen. Amen. Uh, my beautiful wife's birthday is in a couple of days, too. And so I'll be saying happy birthday today and happy birthday next week when she's actually in here. She's serving today. Uh, but just, again, such a beautiful time. Um, I want to welcome everybody who I believe is tuning in online as well. Can we just give a round of applause? Come on, people that are in the house, clap. Just clap a little loud so they know that there's people in the building. Yes. Uh, today we are concluding the series. Uh, we've spent five weeks talking about the church, the church of Jesus Christ, and not the church in the way that you may have experienced it, and not the church in a way that you may have seen it, but the way that God declares the church. And how many of you know there can be a difference between what you've personally experienced versus what God said? Yeah. And so we've taken a journey the past five weeks, and we called, we've called this series The Inspired Church, and I hope that you've been blessed by it. I know that I've been blessed by it, just reorienting my heart, not just as a pastor, but as a member of the church, uh, reor- reorienting my heart around what God has to say. And so I thought what we could do is we could kind of pause uh, before we move on to our final message today. And we can kind of piece together the past four messages so that we can see this one glorious picture. And so again, we've, we've, we've had four messages and we want to piece that together so that we can see kind of the one glorious picture of Christ church. Amen. So just for a moment, if you can, will you imagine the church that Jesus is building? Imagine the church that Jesus is building. It's a community of confessors gathering together under the lordship of Jesus Christ weekly to worship the God who has called them out of darkness and into his marvelous light. It's an interconnected body of believers, amen? sitting under the teaching of God's word and experiencing the ministry of the membership as they edify one another and build one another up in love. Can you see it? Now listen, this picture is beautiful in theory, but in reality, it's a struggle. As this community would regularly encounter intense opposition, whether it be Satan's schemes 
or life's tribulations or their own selfishness and sin. Listen, regular warfare over their gathering would be relentless. Do you feel it? But just as that warfare would seem too much to bear. Have you ever been in that place? When you felt that warfare and just when it would seem like it would be too much for you to bear. The Lord's Supper would be an epic reminder of Christ's victory, Christ's cross, Christ's blood, Christ's broken body spilled and poured out on your behalf. And all of a sudden, when you were about to give up, you would be reminded that Christ has already secured your victory. And suddenly, this weak assembly, this, uh, this tired community would be infused by the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the weak would be empowered and the gathered would then be scattered on mission into the world to make disciples of those who are lost. And the promise that Christ will be, be with them always, even until the end of time, would inspire them to continue on this mission to the glory of God. Well, I don't really think we have to imagine that too much because that's really who we are and where we are at right now. You see, the church... If you've been with us the past four weeks, I hope that you've been able to gather is no ordinary institution. Amen. The church is no ordinary institution with no ordinary tasks, but its activity is spiritual and its warfare is supernatural. And now that we have spent the four weeks defining and describing the church, I want to spend this final message, this final week answering one very practical question. Are you ready? Here it is. And this is the question. Who is, who's in charge? Who's in charge? Right? Who is in charge? Who, who has been entrusted with the oversight of the church? Who will one day stand before the Lord Jesus Christ on judgment day? And give an account for the ministry of the church in the world. Who? Who? Let's pray as this is a heavy topic. And let's ask the Lord just to speak to all of us here today. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this glorious picture of your church, the church that Jesus is building. And I pray that as we finish our final message today in this series, um, that this series would be, uh, just have an eternal impact on all of the ears and hearts and minds that are hearing and listening and tuning in over the past couple of weeks. So I ask that you would speak through your word and that your word wouldn't come back void, but it would accomplish everything 
that you have desired for it to accomplish. And we ask these things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 I've entitled this final message in this series simply the stewardship of eldership. The stewardship of eldership. Let me put it like this. There are many leaders and multiple gifts within the body of Christ. Amen? Many leaders. And, and, and I want you to know that there are leaders in the church and there are leaders outside of the church that God both brings in and sends out. The body of Christ has been gifted with many leaders. Here at Inspired Church, if you've been with us for a season, you'll know that we have leadership at our church. We have leaders on staff. We have what we call coaches and captains. We have counselors and small group leaders here at Inspire. And all of these leaders are distinguished. All of them are valued and all operate with a kind of organizational and spiritual authority. But here's the key for this morning's message. It's the appointed elders of the church amongst all the other leaders of the church It is the elders of the church who will one day stand before God and give an account for how things were done. And we see this clearly throughout the New Testament. Luke observes in Acts that they appointed elders in every church. Paul tells Titus, this is why I left you in Crete so that you may put what remained in order. And Paul will go on to describe what that means to put what remains in order. Paul says this, by appointing elders in every town. With such a sacred task of the organization and oversight of Christ's precious church, Paul instructs Timothy to appoint to the office of elder only those, are you ready, who are above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may be puffed up with conceit and fall into the temptation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so he may not fall into disgrace and into a snare of the devil. This was Paul's words to Timothy as he was telling Timothy to appoint elders over the churches. Now, I know what you're thinking. Before you brush me off, (laughs) you might be thinking, well, I'm not an elder, so I I can tune out on this. Like some of you might think, well, man, this is the wrong day to come to church. Like I expected to get a word from the Lord. I've been holding on all week long and come on, Pastor Phil, come on, Jesus. Like give me something. You sit here and you're going to tell me about somebody else, elders of the church. (laughs) 
And so you might be thinking, well, that's why I'm not an elder. (laughs) Did you hear that list? But keep in mind, Paul is describing what a disciple should look like. Are you with me? Paul is describing what a mature disciple of Christ should look like. And so whether you're there or you should aspire to be there, an elder is simply someone that we should all follow. If you have your Bibles, open with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, and we are going to read verses 1 through 4. 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'll wait, uh, verses 1 through 4. 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 through 4. We'll also have it for you here on the screen. Who is in charge? Who is responsible? Who is held accountable for Christ's church? First Peter chapter five, verse one through four reads like this. Peter says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Listen, while I was preparing for this message this week, I have to tell you that I was overwhelmed with an awareness that although I was overwhelmed with an awareness that although this room, this room this morning would not be filled with a bunch of elders, this room would be filled with those who are congregants of the church. And let me just say this, even though you may not find yourself as an elder, as a congregate or a member of Christ's church, we cannot afford to be ignorant to what the Bible says about those God has called to lead the church. We cannot afford. And so you may be saying, well, I'm going to tap out on this one and not pay attention because this is about elders. But you and I and our members, we cannot, we cannot afford to be ignorant to the headship and stewardship of the church. Why do you ask? I'm glad that you asked. Because we have too many churches with toxic pastors being enabled by leaders. We have too many churches with arrogant leaders being applauded by ignorant followers. To quote a line from a recent podcast from the rise and fall of Mars Hill, we have a culture of church members who would prefer a narcissist leading a church. They'd actually prefer it. In fact, we'll leave the boring church. And we'll go to the exciting church, even though the boring church may be pastored by a faithful man or woman of God. 
And so although it is true that we should rightfully hold the elders and pastors of the church accountable for their narcissism and arrogance and for how they treat the flock, it is also the membership's job. In fact, Paul will say bad leaders are the judgment to those congregations willing to receive them. Do you understand why it's important for you to hear this message today? Lord, help us. Lord, have mercy on a church that worships and celebritizes. Not sure if that's a word. And so this brings me to my first point. I only have two points today. My two points are headship and stewardship. But as you know, my two points will take a long time. So... <laughs> I have 40 sub points. <laughs> Pastor Jeffrey always tells me, yeah, you always talk, you only have a couple of points, but reality is you got to like tuck those points in somewhere. Thank God for outlines. So this brings me to my first point. Are you ready? Here it is. Jesus is the head of the church. I said, Jesus is the head of the church. Did you see, and maybe you didn't, but while I was reading the text written by Peter, while Peter does urge the elders to shepherd, he does not identify them as the shepherd. You see that? He urges the elders to shepherd the flock, but he does not call them the shepherd of the flock. Peter is quick to remind the elders that although they may have been asked to tend the sheep for a time, they are not the shepherd of the sheep, nor is this their flock. Colossians 1.18 reminds us that he is the head of the body, the church. Hebrews 13.20 declares our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. And nobody said it better than Jesus himself in John 10 when he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep. Don't get it twisted. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is in charge. Jesus is our great high priest and all authority on heaven and earth belong to Jesus. Amen? So I think here's a good question to ask. How can Jesus rule the church if he's not here? So that's a, that's a worthy question to ask, right? How can Jesus rule the church if he is not here? And so you might even be thinking, so yeah, that's great. And I've heard pastors say Jesus is the head of the church, but they use that to manipulate, don't they? 
I mean, haven't you seen leaders abuse their authority by using scripture to empower themselves? And so that's great and good. And that might give me the goosebumps to know that Jesus is the good shepherd. But if he's not here, how is he leading the church? Don't you think that's a good question? I think it is. And so let me answer it for you. Listen up. This, I'm going to take a page out of Rogers, Pastor Rogers' book. Write this down. And I know sometimes we'll say that nobody does. But what I just mean by that is remember, write it down in your heart at the very least, but write this down. This, what I'm about to tell you is really good ecclesiology, really, really good stuff. Are you ready? Oh man, that was terrible. Are you ready? Yes. I know 9 a.m. tends to be a little quieter and I love y'all, but are y'all ready? Let's go. Here we go. This is good ecclesiology right here. Ready? Here it is. How does Jesus rule the church if he's not actually here? Here it is. Christ rules through his word. Some of you are like, well, man, you got me all excited. I thought you were going to give me something. That's it? <laughs> 9 a.m., you guys know. You're like, oh, yeah, really? Am I really ready? But no, Christ rules through his word. Now, some of you might be asking, well, what about the Holy Spirit? Yes, the Holy Spirit. You want to know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit illuminates the text. Did you know that? Like, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. What he does is, as the word of God is preached rightly, the Holy Spirit illuminates it in your hearts and minds so that the word would conform you into the image of Christ. Do you see this? So the Holy Spirit applies the text right now. You know the Holy Spirit's speaking right now. And as these words are being preached and you're attentive to the scriptures, he's beginning to apply the text to your life. All different experiences, all different walks of life. And the Spirit is in here subjecting you to obedience of the word. You with me? Let me illustrate. A long time ago when I was young, Every once in a while, my parents would go on vacation, and I wouldn't be able to get the days off. And so, I get to stay home. You stay enjoy that, especially you maybe young singles still stay at home, and there's no shame in your game. We live in the Bay Area. Some of us stay at home until, you know, we're in our 40s, amen? <laughs> Saving that money. So for some of y'all, it's like, yeah, that happened yesterday, and I'm 42. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We're being wise, Amen. But you know, the parents leave for a couple of days. You're kind of feeling excited about the potential, right? And so when my parents would leave, they would always leave behind. I don't know if your parents did this, but they would leave behind some detailed pages of notes. Anybody ever had that? And since we lived in kind of a farm, you know, my dad, we've had hawks, iguanas, ferrets, don't tell the law. Um, We've had all kinds, dogs, cats. No, we haven't had cats, birds, but we've had all kinds of animals. And so part of that detailed letter, part of that detail instruction would be to feed the pets, right? This is where the dogs, it's okay, everyone has pets. Uh, 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 the dogs, where the dogs food are, where the water is, right? And my dad, he's, you know, the bird man of Alcatraz. And so, except he's not on Alcatraz, uh, uh, you know, he had birds and finches and quails in the back. And so you had to feed them. And we had a parrot in the front. And so you had to feed that. And since my parrot, whose name was Chato, really didn't like anybody but my dad, feeding him was a feat because you might lose a finger. But there were specific instructions, Right? Specific plants to water at specific times. (laughs) Doors that needed to be closed. Windows that needed to be open, right? (laughs) Now, listen, listen. I want you to hear this. Now, just because they went away, right, didn't mean that I assumed ownership of the home. Are you with me? 
Like real simple, just because my parents were away did not mean all of a sudden I assumed ownership of the home. Instead, are you ready? They ruled through their word. So that even though they were gone, they left me with instructions on how to manage the household well while they were away. And check it out. If anyone were to come and to try to add to their word or take from their word uh, and take from their instructions, here's what they would do. They would be violating the owner's request and therefore using what did not belong to them for their own gain. Are you with me? Now, I want to pause here and make really two critical points for you, uh, for those of you who are sitting here who are maybe not elders, but congregants and members of the body of Christ. Number one, are you ready? Because Christ rules through his word, are you ready? Your obedience is not to a person or to a title. I know that's tough for us because we get this twisted. Because Christ rules his church through his word, your obedience is not to a person or to the office, but to the word of God as stewarded by the person who holds the office. Right? We tend to not just celebritize our pastors and leaders, right? Uh, But we also tend to worship them. Right, because they're preaching the word and that's the man of God and so on and so forth. You've heard, I was just making a joke. I was, I was coming in, you know, we have armor bearers and people will tie your shoes, pastor, and give you your water, pastor. And I believe in honor. I believe we have a lot of like Latino and Filipino community here. There's a very high honor and I respect that and I understand that. But there also is a kind of hero worship. Are you with me? To the point where we begin to excuse the elders, for not stewarding the church the way that God has called. And because we are members who are ignorant to what the word has to say, we don't even know the difference. Are you with me? And because Christ rules through his word, therefore, if pastors or spiritual leaders are acting in ways that are contrary to the scripture, guess what? You're free to disobey. How about this? And you're free to walk away. Can I say something? I was just kind of prayerful over this message, something that might be freeing for some of you here today. Be released from the spiritual guilt that was placed on you when you left toxic places. Let it go. Let it go. Let go of the lies, the manipulation. Let go of all the ways They try to harm you for leaving. People cut you off. People you love. Never speaking to you again. It's hard. It's heavy. But be released. Be released and know that your loyalty, your fidelity was not to a church or even to a man but to the word of God so that if the church and the elders of that church are not being faithful to the word, you are free to go. Amen.
Now, there's a few of you in here I could just see. I, don't, I can't even see your face, but your chest is like. Oof. That's a heavy yoke of bondage to be under. Number two, likewise, are you ready? If the pastors or spiritual leaders are being faithful to the scriptures, as followers of Christ, you are obligated to submit under the stewardship of the word through elders at a local church. You understand that? You're obligated to submit because you're not just submitting to Pastor Phil or Pastor Roger or Pastor Danny and Andy and Jeff. No, you are submitting to the word of God stewarded by the elders of God that are given charge over the church. Are you with me? We like number one, don't we? We don't like number two. <laughs> right? The elders are empowered to shepherd your soul in the faith. While some of us in the room need to be released of their spiritual guilt, others need to repent of rebellion. And that's such a strong word. It kind of feels like old rebellion. But it is. It is an inward turning away from what God has put in your life to form and shape you. It's rebelliousness. Some of you need to repent of that. Some of us encountered someone that loved us enough to tell us we were wrong. And we ignored it and we ignore them to this day because they had the audacity to sit down and call you out on your lies, your hypocrisy. Now I'm not saying someone should do that in a way that is harmful and hurtful and grace and truth and love, but do you understand what I'm, do you, you hear what I'm saying? hear what I'm saying? And so by the same token that you can be released freely from a community and eldership, from a church that would move outside of the word of God, you are also bound and obligated as a follower of Christ to submit under the leadership of the church as long as they're moving and governing according to the word. But how would you know that? We weren't here today learning the word for ourselves. Amen? Amen. This brings me to the second point and the last point. And really the final point of our entire series. And it is this. Elders are called to stewardship, not ownership. Amen? Amen? In the same way my parents would one day return... And hold me responsible for the way that household was managed. Jesus will one day return for his church. And who will he hold responsible? Who will he hold accountable? The gathering of the saints, the making of disciples, the sacraments of the church, baptism and membership in the Lord's Supper. Who will he hold accountable for the activity of the church in this world, for the condition of the church in the world? The answer is he will hold his elders accountable for what he had said in his word. Amen? Amen? So as we 
wind this series down and this sermon down, I want to look at what Peter is saying, and I want to basically answer two final questions. Number one, what elders are called to do? What are elders called to do? And number two is how are elders called to do it? Right? There's the what. There's the how. What are they called to do exactly? And how are they called to do it? Now, this won't be an exhaustive message on eldership. But nonetheless, it'll be important for you as congregates and members of the body of Christ to understand And I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that this message would actually cause you to pray more for your pastors. A lot of us think the pastor prays for us. True. In fact, every day this week, the pastors in the last four weeks, the pastors have been exchanging names and praying nonstop for this series for you. And so my question is, would you then in turn walk away and make it a point to pray for us? So my prayer is that you would walk away here with an esteem and an honor and a prayerful spirit towards those God has appointed to pastor and elder the church. And my prayer is also that the pastor and elders who are learning and growing and submitting under what this looks like would grow and continue to be those that are qualified to serve the church appropriately. Amen? Amen. So what are elders called to do? And really, this is not an exhaustive list, but I just want to jump from where Peter is jumping here in 1 Peter 5. Peter urges them, did you, did you catch this? To shepherd the flock. You hear that? To shepherd the flock. And Peter actually defines what that looks like. He says, by exercising oversight. You can read it right there in the text. He says, shepherd the flock. And he defines that by using the phrase exercising oversight. Now I want you to notice, and I'm not, I should have said this earlier, I'm using the word elder and pastor interchangeably. Did you catch that? Right. Uh, I have to realize, and I probably gotta make note, I feel bad for you guys, 11 a.m. is gonna get it all. You guys are like, oh man, really? But I just, I make note that, you know, in our context, we've all come, some of us have come from different churches, some of us have not come from a church. So we hear elder, we don't, we think of just, you know, maybe that's an old person, right? An elder, right? Or maybe you come from Mormonism, we think of elders in a particular way, or some of us have come from evangelical churches, we think of pastors, and there's pastors of everything, right? We got pastors in the front, in the back, we got the pastor of hospitality, the pastor of worship, the pastor of kids, the kids pastor's pastor, the janitorial pastor, the security team pastor, right? And so, and everything in between, right? And so I want you to know that you are all bringing in different understandings. So when I say pastor, it's, you guys are like, okay. But I'm using, I'm using pastor and elder interchangeably here, because that's what the scripture calls the overseer, the elder, and he calls him to the activity of pastoring. Pastoring really just means shepherd. Poimen is shepherd in the Greek, amen? It means that shepherd. And I want you to know that you don't have to be a pastor to shepherd. I want to talk about it, but I got to talk about it. <laughs> you almost got me there, Becca. <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> So he defines this particular kind of shepherding as exercising oversight. Now, I want you to notice what Peter is not saying. Are you ready? It's really helpful sometimes to understand what someone isn't saying before you look at what they are saying. Notice Peter does not say manage the business. Are you with me? Thought I'd get a lot of amens there. He does not say protect the brand. 
But he does say, tend the flock. Care for the people. Ask yourself, do they use the people to build their programs or use the programs to build their people? Do they want to grow bigger platforms or bigger disciples? Inspire Church, we as a church, a local church, Inspire Church, we cannot get it twisted. Pastors are not CEOs. They are not five-star generals sitting on top of the food chain. But they are shepherds. What do shepherds do? They guard the flock. They guide the flock. They lead and feed and care for the flock of God. You with me? So now that we know what they are called to do, how are they to go about doing this? Peter will give us three negatives and we'll match those with a positive and it'll help us land this plane today. Number one, Peter said they are to shepherd the flock. He says, not by compulsion, but willingly. Some look down on or frown upon the position of pastor. I mean, don't get me wrong. They love the pastor and they think it's a great thing, but no, 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 no. Like it, it's not a great career choice, right? Some look down on or frown upon the position of pastor. Are you ready? Yet an elder does not have to be begged, convinced, or forced to take on this position. I love this. An elder identifies this as a gift and not a burden. Mm. so they do so willingly is what he's saying not under compulsion but willingly i can often spot the call of god over a potential elder you want to know how and this is one way it's not all the ways but they are already engaging in the activity of shepherding without even holding the title They're already leading. They're already feeding, guarding, and guiding with integrity without recognition. In fact, whenever someone tells me they feel called to be a pastor, but they don't demonstrate the fruit of shepherding, what that tells me is they want the platform, the power, the lights, the space and the stage to be able to share their gift. If you ever run into a pastor who preaches and leaves and who thinks that their only call is to stand on stages and show off their incredible charismatic gifts, then you haven't ran into a a shepherd, an under-shepherd of God. You with me? This brings me to my next point, Peter's next point, number two. He says, are you ready? So first thing he says, not under compulsion, but willingly. And the second thing he says, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Love that. A godly pastor is not in it for the purse, the power, or the popularity. In other words, he's not in it for the money, the fame, or the authority. 
what motivates an elder is their love for Jesus and their love for his church. Peter wrote this letter. It's so fascinating. I didn't give you the context, but this is a great place to give you context. You know, Peter wrote this letter to a group of churches that were scattered throughout Asia Minor. And as he was writing this letter, and Asia Minor is kind of modern-day northern Turkey, as he was writing this letter, guess what? Persecution was beginning to intensify. Makes you want to read it again, doesn't it? Now, listen, typically, during times of persecution, it was the elders in their families that were in danger. Do you know that? When persecution intensified who the authorities went after to kill and to imprison were not the church members, but were the elders. Wow. And as I was reading this this week, I got convicted because I began to wonder how many of us would actually pursue eldership if we knew the qualification was literally death. Like, I don't know if I can even answer that question honestly right now. I, I, I mean, you can sit here and say, oh, yeah, I'll die. Sure. But I don't know, honestly. I would hope that in that moment, with fear and scared, and even for my own family, my son, I would hope, I would hope in that moment that the gospel of Jesus Christ and the hope of God would well up in me and I'd find the courage to overcome fear, but I don't know. Yet here... Peter is writing to faithful elders, not in it for the money, as persecution intensifies. And the first people that they're going after to kill is them. Wow. The elders in Asia Minor weren't in it for applause. They weren't in it for material gain or personal glory. But listen... Though they may never be rewarded in this life, they knew that their reward was in heaven and coming with Jesus. And that one day Peter wrote, when the chief shepherd appears, when the one who is the head of the church, the body, when the one who said, I am the good shepherd because I lay my life down for the sheep. When the chief shepherd appears one day, you may not get paid. You may lose your life. You may not get the accolades and applause that you feel like you deserve. But one day after this life is gone and the chief shepherd comes, he tells the elders, Peter says, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. I must finish. Number three, finally, Peter says, not domineering. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? He says, not domineering, but exemplary. Are you with me? Pete Scazzaro, the author of Emotionally, uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he was commenting on leadership and he said this. He says, there are too many so-called spiritual giants in the church today who are still emotional infants. <laughs> Have you been hurt by one? Elders and spiritual leaders who are rude. 
harsh with their words, while unforgiving and vindictive in their hearts. Huh. They're more like slave drivers than sheep herders. But a godly elder leads the flock gently, even when some of the sheep have a tendency to bite back. Listen, unlike the kingdoms of this world that exist for dominion, Christ's church exists for service. And so the primary task of its elders is to serve the needs, the spiritual needs of the people. And I love this. Did you catch Peter calls himself a fellow elder? He says, I'm exhorting you elders. And he says, and I as a fellow elder, right? And he exhorts the elders as a fellow elder because he's saying in a way, I would not ask you to do something that I myself am not willing to do. (laughs) But he doesn't just call himself a fellow elder, but he also calls himself, did you see that? An eyewitness of the sufferings of Christ. He has seen Christ. He has walked with Christ. Wow. And so Peter is saying this. Are you ready? What Christ did for me, I do for you and what you do for the church. You see that? You see that? Like, I'm only asking you to follow in the footsteps of the chief shepherd because we serve a pastor, a priest, a a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who does not ask his elders to do something that he himself has not already done. Exemplary. Exemplary. And it doesn't just stop with the elders. Are you ready? It Christ, Jesus, elders, and what the elders do, the church does. Because the elders are called to be model members for the church to emulate. Huh. Maybe it's the stage. That, maybe it's that, that God is thinking. That God is thinking. Maybe it's the stage. We're going we're gonna to correct this. Stay with me. Maybe it's the stage that God is thinking that, okay, well, that's that, and I'm here. And we forgot that this is what model, this is model and exemplary. Like, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was where you were taught or maybe it was where you came from and it was propagated in a way. Stick with me. I know there, I know, but maybe it was propagated in a way or told to in a way that's like, well, that's really far away. And there's this big chasm between me and that's the pastor and they walk on holy ground and all hail, right? You guys with me? But actually, there's an exemplary calling, an idea. You're supposed to follow an idea that you're supposed to follow in the example, and the elder is supposed to be a model of that. Not somebody who I can never be like that. And sometimes, as elders, we have to even ask for forgiveness because we become emotionally unhealthy. Because we desire applause and praise. And so we articulate ourselves in a way that makes us feel even more special. We're sinful men. Amen. We're sinful people. But at the end, exemplary. Exemplary. As we prepare to finish, not just this sermon, but this series, I was 
reflecting on it and I thought to myself, you know, I'm not even sure anybody will know this, but I made sure I, I posted it. So I guess everyone will know it. Um, but really, this is probably one of the most impactful sermon series that I've ever preached at Inspire. I don't feel it. I know we've come back and, you, you know, I, I, I have to get past my flesh, you know, because I want the applause, the accolades or whatever. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying like in my mind, I'm like, man, what makes it impactful? You know, well, you got standing ovations and the, the house was packed. And maybe I should have saved this sermon series for another two years when we build the church back up again, because right now, you know. We're just building back up from the pandemic, but I just like I'm going through all this flesh. So no, this is really the most impactful series that I've ever preached. And if not for anybody else, God, it was for myself. It was for me. It was for me. It was for me. And so as we prepare to finish this series that I think (laughs) at least was impactful for me, I want to finish where we started. I want to finish in week one where we started in Matthew 16. Verse 15 through 19, after Jesus had walked with his disciples and had asked them, who do people say that I am? He then turns to his disciples and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, (laughs) the elder who will one day write this, responds, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven this is the inspired church a community of confessors gathered together as ministering members remembering the cross making disciples baptizing the lost while being shepherded by humble elders who look like jesus this is the church that jesus is building This is the church that carries the authority of heaven. And this is the church that no man can destroy, no persecution can slow, and no devil in hell can stop. It's not a perfect church, but it is the church that Jesus is building. 